Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Where isolation, humiliation and degradation are facts of life. Welcome to prison. It depends who's telling the story, I suppose. The prisoners would have one view. The people who work in the prison system would have another. And I think it's up to people to decide uh, where the truth is. Give government propaganda and the media spin doctors the flick. And check out Doin' Time for news, views and tunes on prison issues from Guantanamo Bay to Christmas Island to prisons and detention centres everywhere. Every Monday at 4pm on your community radio, 3CR. We are still fired up and we're still talking about revolution. Hello and welcome to the Doing Time Show. This is 3CR Community Radio, 855am on the dial, streaming live on www.3cr.org.au. We've got quite a few things um, coming up today. First up on the show, we're going to be speaking with Linda Fisk, who is the founder of Seeds of Affinity and a Radio Seeds broadcaster. And she'll also be talking a little bit about the lived experience of prisons. And we'll be speaking with her shortly. Um, Hopefully, we're going to be having Claire Seppings join us as well um, to, to speak with Linda as well. And Claire was also part of the reintegration puzzle conference um, in Sydney that happened recently. After that, we'll be speaking with John Dowd, who is the president of Community Justice Coalition, and we'll be speaking with him about the fact that the New South Wales government refused has refused online counselling for prisoners um, in their cells, and in fact, there are very, very few rehab programs um, in New South Wales as well. So it's extremely difficult for prisoners to heal. After that, we'll speak with Lucy Honan, Refugee Action Collective, and we'll speak with Lucy um, in regards to an event that's happening next Monday at Trades Hall, and it's called How Can We Break Bipartisan Support for Offshore Processing? And I'll give you the details later um, for that. But uh, yeah, so in the meantime, I'm just going to go into a quick announcement, and then we'll speak with Linda. Want to support 3CR's diverse and independent voices? Well, it's not too late, and we still need your support. Donate now by calling 9419 or donate online at www.3cr.org.au or post us a cheque or money order to Post Office Box 1277, Collingwood 3066. And you're back with the Doing Time show. And we've got Linda on the line and we've also got Claire coming as well in here. Hello, Claire. Hi, Marisa. Hi, Linda. <laughs> Are you there, Linda? Hi, Claire. It's so great to have you, Linda. You wouldn't believe it's been a crazy day, but finally we've all got everything organised. <laughs> oh, thanks for having me. It's so lovely to have you. And I believe that Adelaide is one half an hour behind all this ridiculous time change, isn't it? Yeah, it is. We are half an hour behind, definitely, yes. Absolutely. Maybe maybe even a little bit more than half an hour in my view, but anyway. Anyway, Claire, can you hear Linda? I can. Good, good. Linda, I introduced you as being the founder of Seeds of Affinity and a Radio Seeds broadcaster. And can can you talk a little bit about that and and also speak about, um, you know, how you got into it? Okay, yeah, um, I'm co-founder of Seeds of Affinity. I founded Seeds of Affinity with uh, my last parole officer who uh, helped me a great deal when I was released the last time in 1994. Um, What we found was in the 1980s and 1990s, women continued to just go in and out of prison without really having any options in mainstream society. Um, And after I'd finished my parole and got myself out of the criminal justice system, I maintained contact with her and we talked on many, many different occasions trying to come up with an idea of how we could help women to sort of transition back into community. Um, eventually we got together, 
started very simply by having a lunch, a shared lunch, and making toiletries together, making soap and moisturiser. That was in 2006, and then we became incorporated in 2011. Wow. And um, yep. since then, we've, we've really, really grown. Um, the organisation has taken off. I'm in a really noisy place, and I'm really sorry. I've had a granddaughter. And I'm in the hospital. But, Congratulations. Um, <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> That's, That's great. Really um, I'm going to visit her because she's in the neonatal intensive care unit because she's six weeks early. She was supposed to be born uh, oh. weeks ahead. But, yeah. We're happy. So um, I apologise for the noise. No, no, no. Yeah, so um, we won't keep you very long. But in terms of the so, – so this is a radio program, is it, for for, for women in prison? Radio Seeds is the radio program. Seeds of Affinity is an organisation that um, we we have three different areas that we look at. We look at enterprise advocacy, lovely, and also and we, yeah, the thing that I like to focus on most is the, is the advocacy. Um, the community re- really needs to understand the issues that face women and why they go, in, why they find themselves in prison, and why they find it so difficult to extract themselves from the criminal justice system. And what do you think are the most important things um, facing facing women? Um, in 2017, I think the most important things facing women, uh, number one is housing um, upon release. Uh, number two is lack of rehabilitation within the prison system, especially in South Australia. Uh, the prison system is completely overloaded. Um Employment and training is another issue and family and children is another really big issue in South Australia. South Australia is the only um, state in the country where women, children are removed from them um, as soon as they're given birth. So if you're pregnant and you go to prison in South Australia, you'll give birth to your child in shackles and then your child will be removed from you that day and is usually placed in foster care unless you have suitable uh, people in your family to take the child. And I, I put suitable in, in inverted commas because that's all, always how the, you know, if, if, if you're suitable, deemed by the state. And that's their idea of suitable. And did you witness any of those, those issues in prison or w- did you have to support women in prison um, with any of those things? Well, I, I've, I've supported women uh, with those with those issues. I've also suffered those issues myself. I yes. gave birth to two sons in, inside uh, Northfield Prison Complex, one in 1987, one in 1994. Um, I, I, um, I, unlike some women, have the ability, have the ability, have the ability to um, advocate for myself and navigate the system. So I fought very strongly and I was able to keep those children with me for a period of time. Um, but some women don't have the ability to do that and they need someone to be their voice and to walk alongside them and help them navigate what has become a really convoluted and complicated system and, and a much more punishing system, I think, in 2017. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I agree, Linda. It's clear here. And I was just listening to you then thinking that when we think of like the, the housing issue, education, employment and around family and children, everyone knows that they're the universal factors that everybody needs to get on in life and to have in life. And then when you equate that, when you say, too, how, you know, rehabilitation is failing, surely, surely if we make those universal things apart from a part of day one of rehabilitation, then surely that we've got to be able to decrease them being issues on release. You you would think so, and I I think that's um, indicative of... uh, Minister Malinaskis' announcement just a couple of days ago, I believe, that he's um, going to spend $40 million in the state of South Australia on rehabilitation and housing mm-hmm. because things have become so dire. Yep. And it's a long, long, long overdue. And, and, and it's great to hear that that's going to happen. But I'm also always sceptical mm-hmm. and um, I'm always hopeful that, that that money will get down to the people that need it um, and that it doesn't get run off into the big care organisations, the big wraparound services that are really great at uh, claiming for funding but not so great on delivering services. 
Yeah. Don't hold yeah. your breath. <laughs> Absolutely. But also I, I think it, I won't be. I won't be. It's so important. And that there's people like you, Linda, and Seeds of Affinity that yeah. can help lead that way and, and help inform all that needed policy in South Australia and then beyond. Yeah, so that's what we spend a lot of our time doing is going around and talking to anyone that will listen, really, and, and trying to trying to decrease the stigma as well. I think stigma is another thing that I failed to mention yeah. um, beforehand is the stigma that women women face once they are released. And I think it's even worse for women than men. Mm-hmm. Um, women are, you know, we, we, we're, we're taught to um, that we have to live in this traditional role of being a woman and being a caregiver. And, and when we go to prison, it's not so easy for us to come out and just go back to laying bricks or, you know, Correct. whatever, doing the plumbing, you know. It's just not so easy for us. Um, so for women, it's, it's, there's a whole another layer of issues that have to be looked at, have to be have to be managed. And I think if the community can become more aware of that and more understanding, and the more I speak to people in the community about that issue, the more acceptance and understanding that I get. And I think that the only real re- rehabilitation comes from the community. It doesn't happen behind prison walls. Mm. Yeah, Linda, it's it's so good to have you because often what tends to happen is that a lot of women are really frightened of coming forward and being on air. And I've had situations where, um, you know, ex-prisoners have come in and, and some of them have stayed in the show and some of them have actually burst into tears and, and actually have, have, haven't been able to go through with things. And that's because a lot of women are frightened, you know, of, of speaking yeah. out. And oh, for sure. I, I actually got to remember yeah. as well. You got to remember as well. That's right. Prison and talking about prison experience—it's a very traumatic experience. Yes. Um, so some women, you know, haven't haven't totally healed. I've had a long time to heal. I haven't been in prison since 1994, um, and I've all, always been quite a strong-minded character, and I refuse to um, be silent, if you like. <laughs> That's right. Claire actually attended. What what was the conference you attended recently, Claire? Well, we were both there. <laughs> oh, you were both at the conference, <laughs> reintegration there. puzzle conference. Yeah, absolutely. Oh. And I think what the beauty of it was too was that it was the real. I guess one of the first. I mean, certainly there's you know sisters inside conferences. You know, is, um, yeah. is prison obsolete? I think this is probably one of the first university convened conferences where we've actually had those with the lived experiences, the keynote speakers, and the and the lived experience as the theme throughout the whole conference and probably the first step in joining then the academics and those that have been through the system and may become academics themselves now but it's the straight and the non-straight getting together and breaking down hopefully the start of that stigma and getting it happening at that grassroots level and across into media. And that's why I invited you both on because it's it's important for you know, women to speak to women, and and of course, I'm not saying that men aren't important, but I'm, I'm I suppose I'm saying that you know, women in prison do have special special problems, and and there's there's fewer services, isn't there, for women? Certainly, certainly is. I think one of the most powerful sessions was the one that I chaired with you in it, Linda, was Seeds of Affinity and then Heather Anderson speaking about Radio Seeds and then Kat Anderson talking about um, the Justice Women's Network. So, And then there was also um, Bianca from the Women's Justice Network New South Wales that had a keynote um, address as well. So it was very powerful messages. And both of you were speakers on that panel? Uh, we were in different sessions. Yes. yes. Yeah. Fantastic. And so, so Linda, as as a speaker, you know, how did you feel speaking at that conference? Oh, it was great. Um, I, do, I do a lot of public speaking now. Yeah. <laughs> I tend to speak all over the place. Um, so it, it was a really great opportunity, and I was really pleased to be able to take some of the women from Seeds of Affinity along with me, which gave them the opportunity, if they felt like it, to get up. I don't put any pressure on them. If they feel they want to say something, they get up and they say something. And that's the beauty of it, is that women get exposed to things that they would never normally be exposed to. And after they do finish speaking, and after you do finish speaking to whoever you speak to, what you find is people are really, really understanding and really, really receptive and really accepting. And that's where I find it really interesting, this disconnect, because I speak to politicians as well. Um, oh, okay. 
and I and I, what I find is there seems to be this disconnect about what politicians seem to think the community wants mm-hmm. and what the community actually wants. So politicians mm. have this big fear of being seen to be soft on law and order and yes. uh, soft on prisons and, you know, because it's a real vote-getter, that's what they think. Mm. But what I tend to find in the community is what people want is to know that if someone does the wrong thing, they're not going to do it again. Exactly. Yep. It's really all they want, and they want to know that any intervention is a positive intervention. Yeah, it's not a not a warehousing of people, which is what we're what we're doing undertaking at the moment. That's exactly right, and you know some some of the some of the problems inside. Linda, you mentioned children. Like, how old were you? Were your sons when they had to leave you in prison? Um, my. Uh, my the last one in 1994 was uh, six months old. That's horrific. And I had I had to fight very very strongly uh, to keep him at all. Um, it's not an easy thing to accomplish in South Australia. Um, in and in 1987, uh, Matthew was uh, I think three weeks old. So it's a very very difficult time, and it's something that. Um, I think 1994 was the breaking point for me where, you know, I said to myself, wow, you know, this system's not going to do it for me. I've got to do it for myself. And I had to find a way out of the criminal justice system. And you did, and you're here. Yeah, yeah I did. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, I, and I've yeah. got my family back together and brought up uh, four sons successfully and, you know, four great men that are doing really good. That is wonderful. Linda, and we've also had Claire here um, quite a few times on this show speaking about her her report. And I'm just wondering, um, Claire, mm. what from that report? And I haven't got it in front of me, I'm afraid. But from memory, is is there there's also there's a section about women in prison in there? Well, the whole the I mean, the my church of fellowship research was to study the role. The real, the rehabilitative yeah. role of um, ex-prisoners, offenders as sure. peer mentors in reintegration models. That was it. But I came back with so much more where across the UK, in America, Sweden, Republic of Ireland, um, you've got so many people that have been through the system themselves, just like Linda, and then have decided, no, hang on a minute, there's more that I can do to help change the system um, and help those that are struggling in the system um, so then start their own organisations you know help inform the policy but even then go on to employ um, people that have been through the system as well Fantastic. and so that yeah that covered male and female and yeah. young people yeah that's great now I thought I'd ask that because I mean it's connected because Linda you you have started an organisation here <laughs> in Australia uh, yes yes we started Seeds of Affinity in 2006 and yeah. basically, seeds was born out of a gap at, because of the gaps in the systems that were provided uh, for women for support once they leave prison and while they're in prison as well. Really. So, if any women, or, or you know, it's all—is it for, just for women, or can men join? Yes, no, men can't join. That's cool. Men, I'll be quite on. I'll be quite frank here. That's okay. Men are important too, uh, but men in in South Australia anyway get the lion's share of the resources. Yes. So they've got bigger numbers, um, yeah. they get most of the support services. So SEEDS was established because of the fact that most services catered for men. For and men. most prisons are designed for men, to yeah, be honest yeah. with you. We, women are an afterthought. Mm. Yeah, you know, that's that's very true. Like I used to work at Dame Phyllis Frost as a legal advocate a um, long time ago now. And I found that that, you know, for example, stuff about reproductive health you know, education and information about that. I used to have women coming in that had miscarriages that were severely traumatised, and you know there was there just wasn't all they did was they they, they were given pills. I mean, how is yeah. that actually going to help a woman who's had a miscarriage to get over that trauma? No, well, it's not. It's just going to keep her quiet for the time she's in there, so nobody has to do any work. Exactly. So, yeah, <laughs> it's approximately four nineteen, and this is the Doing Time Show at Three CR Melbourne, and you're listening to um, an interview and discussion with um, Claire and Linda. And I yeah. think what was wonderful too is because with um, Linda, you know, um, Radio Seeds did a broadcast um, of the conference, didn't they? And um, and then also mm. then broadcast across Radio Seeds different interviews of people throughout the conference. <laughs> Can you yeah, give them did. a web? Is yeah. there a website for that so people can tune in? 
Um, you can go to Radio, uh, Radio C's Facebook page, and if you like it, um, then you can subscribe to get the podcast to that. Great. Yeah. So what sort of interviews was, was uh, on that? We, was it the whole conference? No, not the whole conference. Uh, the women went around with little uh, recorded little recorders and did little box pops and did little interviews with people. We've got part two to run, which will run next month. So we've only done one part so far, sure. but we'll run the next, the next one next month. And just interviewing people on what you know, why they come to the conference, what they hope to get out of the conference, um, you know, what what their um, thinking is about the conference. Um, we did a great interview with um, Keenan Mundine, who's <laughs> great Aboriginal, uh, young Aboriginal young, really strong, really confident. Oh, you're breaking out there, Linda. Done, you okay. know, grew up on the block in Redfern, which I have intimate knowledge of. Good. So I, I did an interview with him, and you know, he was fantastic. So we gave his business a plug, and um, we were just um, trying to get things out there, you know, for people, to, and and hopefully for the women in prison as well. In South Australia, we're hoping to provide them with knowledge and education, so information that will help them and assist them. Yeah. So they get to hear Radio Seeds program. Well, we they can't actually get to hear it because radios, uh, funnily enough, aren't really easily for them to get uh, uh, oh. for some strange reason. Uh-huh. But what what we've been doing is um, Heather and Charlotte, who are the la- Charlotte's from Adelaide University, and Heather's from UniSA, who are the ladies that have come and shared their knowledge with us so that we could start Radio C. Uh, and myself, we go up to the Adelaide Women's Prison and we do listening groups where we play them the uh, shows oh. and then we ask the women for feedback. So we're always asking the women to direct and Good. tell us what it is that they want. Because I'm the woman in prison in 2017. I don't know what it's like to be in prison now. So they need to tell us and they need to tell us what it is they need to hear yep. and what they want to hear. And that's always that's always really really important. And this show, the the Do and Time show, has has been running for for many years now. And and you, you get your different collectives. You know, you get shows where you know times when people run the show through prisoners, and sometimes that can't happen. But yeah. we always try to represent the lived experience, and not just with. Prisoners, but also we look at Aboriginal deaths in custody as well, and the asylum yeah. seekers and refugees. But Heather has been on this show. Apparently, I wasn't here when it happened. But um, you know, she and Pete, who's the co-host of this show, were discussing perhaps getting all the radio um, in the radio stations together, the radio shows together in Australia. So perhaps we can work on that sometime. Yeah, it sounds fantastic. So for, so we're nearing the end of the interview because we've got two other interviews but coming up. But, Linda, for people listening, for any women listening, um, whether it be on the internet, whether it be that, you know, there's women in prison listening, how can they get in touch with Seeds of Affinity if they need to, if they need to? Okay, so we have a website. So you can go to au. Or you can call us on zero eight eight two four two seven two one zero, or you can write to us at one hundred forty six seven four Road Exeter five zero one nine, and I promise that you will get a reply. Um, and we're yeah we're always available. And any woman that's in prison now, I'd, I'd like her to know that there is a community of women out here that have transitioned the journey and done the journey and they're ready here and ready to support you. Linda, thank you so much for, for coming onto the program. Claire and Linda, are there any final comments that, that you two want to make before we finish? Look, I think, um, I mean, it's just brilliant what uh, the work of Linda and what Seeds of Affinity are doing. I mean, it's just wonderful for me to have gone and searched this research overseas because it was there's hardly any of it happening um, in action in Australia and knowing though that there's seeds of affinity that started in South Australia and as long as we can get more more of it happening everywhere but I think the beauty of what the conference did was it's really set 
sets the the theme that we can't go back. And in the words of Keen and Mundine, he says, "Don't talk about us without us." Um, and I don't. I don't. I think Correct. for any conference yeah. in the future to have credibility, they can't not do that. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, and 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 we have that saying too. Nothing about us. Deb Kilroy always says, "Nothing about us without us." And 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 the theme behind that is we do not consider ourselves the problem. Um, we we consider the state of the community and the state of the social social services is the problem. And um, we we understand how to address the problem because we're closest to the problem. So we're we're closest to the solution as well. Yep. Absolutely, and and this show has prided itself on providing a safe environment for people to come in and and state their views. Yeah, that's great. It's it's really important to have that. Absolutely. All right. Well, Claire and Linda, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much. And Thanks our show is is podcasted. Sorry, what were we going to say, Linda? Nice, nice to talk to you, Claire. You too, Linda. <laughs> All right. Take care of yourself. Okay, thanks a lot. Good on you, Linda. See you later. Okay, bye-bye. And that was um, Linda Fisk, who is the founder of Seeds of Infinity. Yeah, and and she's a broadcaster as well. And it's approximately 4.26. And, yeah, and Claire, thanks so much for joining us as well. And oh, thanks for having me. Yeah, and it's it's good. It was good for you to be here because, you you know, you'd, you'd met Linda and, you know, it's always good because the two of you went to the same conference and you supported each other. Mm-hmm. And that's why I invited you both so you could have that discussion. Terrific. So I'll now um, go into a song by Kutcher Edwards and it's called Side by Side. And you're back with the Doing Time show. And next up on the show, we've got John John, who is the president of Community Justice Coalition. Hello, John. Welcome to the program. Thank you. It's lovely to have you. Now, before we actually get on to the interview, I just wanted to introduce Claire Seppings, who is a special guest on our show today. Um, and she's joined us also um, to make any comments that she needs to make. Hello. <laughs> Hello, Claire. Hello. Now, John... Um, very interesting. I was speaking to Brett Collins um, about half an hour ago from Justice Action and he filled me out in a little bit about what's been going on here. Now, I believe that um, the government has refused online counselling for prisoners. Is that right? Well, the none of the governments uh, around Australia have taken up the opportunity of online counselling. It's possible to control online counselling. Uh, it means that um, the prison authorities aren't involved in it. Um, but we're concerned that for prisoners generally, and particularly prisoners with domestic violence incarceration, um, that they be given as much assistance as possible uh, to prepare them for going back into the community because it's an enormous adjustment to go back to, uh, in most cases, wives who have um, had to adjust to them being away, have had to live with whatever caused the domestic violence, and we want to prepare them for going back into society uh, and to reduce the chance of further events happening. Absolutely. And, in fact, access to counselling programs is so important to prison rehab, isn't it? And apparently the New South Wales Auditor General found that 75% of prisoners are unable to gain entry. Is that right? That's right. It takes a while before the system allows longer-term prisoners Uh, to do it. Most domestic violence uh, orders are for short terms and they're, in terms of New South Wales, they're not in long enough to become eligible for any sort of assistance and programs, whereas we believe that this can be done at a very early stage, uh, particularly for those very short-term people who still have to adjust to getting out into the community, having had the humiliation and 
problems of incarceration. Do you have any comments, Claire, that you wanted to make? Yeah, absolutely. And, and as you were saying then too, I mean, it's any any sort of support needs to start from day one, you know, and it's got to be around the person of what the person actually needs. Um, I think that's part of the problem is with the short sentences, especially those that are on remand and then, um, say, you know, discharged from court. Um, they've, they've still got the, the issues that led to the offending or led to them being arrested and led them to being in prison in the first place. So um, I think it doesn't make sense to, you know, hold off, um, as, you know, really determining what that individual needs from day one. So tell us a little, can you tell us a little bit, bit about the work that um, your organisation is doing to assist with this? Well, we're, um, I'm about to go down to Canberra at the end of this month to have a look at the Alexander McConaughey um, uh, Corrections, a Correctional Service Centre in Canberra. Uh, they've had computers of a limited form uh, or a controlled form for some nine years and had no problems with those computers. Now, we want computers in all cells where the person is appropriate. It's part of life, particularly young people's lives, and most prisoners are young. Um, We want people to use them to gain educational things Uh, skills, use of computers, uh, communication on appropriate terms, controlled communication with specific family members, Um, but above all, in this particular case, uh, to develop counselling techniques uh, so that people can talk their way through the problems that cause the domestic violence and if we can reduce a significant number of those, uh, then we've saved the community an enormous cost, but above all, the cost of families and children and so on. And you've indicated, John, that research um, has proven that the online services can be just as effective and sometimes more effective than face-to-face counselling. Yes, that's what, in various examples overseas, that has been shown to be the case. But... um, See, recidivism, that is, recurrence of crime, is in New South Wales something like 50%, one in two. Um, If we can reduce that recidivism uh, by any means, either education or counselling or whatever, um, the saving in police time, court time and so on is astronomical. Um, And we allow people to have a bit more self-esteem, which is one of the bases upon which insecurity is found and causes violence. Absolutely. We've got about three minutes left before we actually go on to our next interview. But, John, is it okay if we have you back at some stage to have more of an extensive discussion, perhaps after you've been to Canberra, to talk more about this issue? Of course. Because I'd, every, yeah, go I'd on. to help the work you do on your station. Thank you. Yeah, because, it, it look, it irks me that, you know, you've got it's, – it's wonderful that – you know, you're getting support for victims or survivors. I just say I can't stand that word victim. But, you know, it really irks me that perpetrators are not assisted and you have all these intervention orders that are in place. The intervention orders are breached and nothing comes out of it. Mm -hmm. I, I must say, when I used to do bail as a Supreme Court judge, on three occasions I had to refuse people bail because the victim slash wife slash whatever calls them up and tries to do a reconciliation and I can tell in each case they were going to call them up again and then there'd be violence and then they'd be in for breaching their ABO. Mm. Thank you. Okay. (laughs) 
You know, yeah. I, look, I, we, we could write a book about it, couldn't we, John and Claire? Actually, yeah. one of my recommendations in my Churchill Fellowship report is about our need to introduce digital um, digital education or, digit, you know, digitise um, services into the, um, the system. They have definitely started that. Or when I was in the Republic of Ireland, they'd start to introduce um, digital education. It makes sense. We can't, you can't not have any programs or let people, you know, be, be, you know, return to the community without being equipped in any way like that. Absolutely. John, thank you so much for um, coming onto the program. Thank you for having me on. And, um, yeah, good luck with, with uh, what's, ha- what's going to be happening over there in Canberra and um, hopefully we can have you back very soon. Thank you. Bye. Thanks so much. Bye. And that was um, John... Dowd, President of Community Justice Coalition, and I believe he's also a QC as well. It's approximately 4.40, and um, in a minute we're going to go into a very quick announcement. And thank you so much, Claire, for talking about your report, because I think it's, you know, it's all connected, isn't it? Oh, pleasure. And I think it's, you know, part of the, the whole mission is everything that we bring back from overseas that we're not doing here, that that is a real gap here. We just need to keep talking about it, advocating it. Um, you know, yeah, just Absolutely. promoting it. Yep. Yep. You gotta remember Nanox's a special day for us fellas. That's a reminder who we are. Every year for NAIDOC Week, 3CR Community Radio gives voice to our Indigenous brothers and sisters through Beyond the Bars, Australia's only live prison broadcast. I am a black, black man. NAIDOC means a lot to me, it's about identity and also about past and present. NAIDOC means a lot to me, for my family and my people. You can access audio from current and past Beyond the Bars broadcasts via the 3CR website. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash beyond the bars and either listen to or download audio from Australia's only live prison broadcast. Happy NAIDOC! This is Irene Bolger, former Secretary of the Nurses Federation in Victoria. Throughout the nurses dispute in 1986 and the waterfront dispute in 1998, 3CR was always there broadcasting the voices of workers in struggle. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio and we're broadcasting live from the Bay to Chicken Strike here in Melbourne. We've just seen all of the thousands of nurses walk through to their meeting and people from different unions showing their solidarity. 3CR. Radio for the workers, by the workers, since 1976. What we're dealing with here is a total lack of respect for the law. Tune in to Done by Law. An informal and irreverent look at the law. Critical insights and analysis from diverse community perspectives. Done by law, 6pm Tuesdays. And you're back with the Doing Time show and joining us now is Lucy Honan from the Refugee Action Collective and she's been on our show quite a few times now. Hi Lucy. Hi, Marissa. How are you going? Lovely to have you. Good, thanks. Now, just it's oh, wow. It's we've got about fifteen minutes left, or a bit less. Um, and joining us in the studio, we've also got Claire Seppings, who's written a report about the lived experience of prison, um, mm. and she she may want to contribute as 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 um, as the need arises. Yeah. Hi, Lucy. Hi. <laughs> so, Lucy. Um, can you talk about this event that's happening coming up this Monday at Trades Hall? I did introduce it at the beginning, um, and apparently it's about offshore processing. Can, can you yeah. talk about that? So next Monday we're having a forum called How Can We Break the Bipartisan Support for Offshore Processing? Um, and we've it's hosted by the Refugee Action Collective, but we've got um, speakers including Jed Carney, who's the president of the ACTU, Michelle O'Neill, who's state secretary 
of the Textile and Clothing and Footwear Union, and she's from Labour for Refugees. Aaron Mulvalganum, who's a Tamil refugee um, and a financial sector union organiser, and myself from RAC and Teachers for Refugees. And the theme of the forum is, as you say, about how to break offshore detention, how do we um, ensure that we close Manus and Nauru and bring the refugees here to Australia. Um, but it's looking in particular about the Labor Party and how we can break the Labor Party um, away from its support for um, for offshore detention. Um, so that's the the kind of question is you know the bipartisan support, which is which has seen which has been the case for um, for decades. Um, but at various points in time, um, for example, during the 2007 election, we saw a break in the bipartisan support and Labor shifting its policy um, and the closure for um, for a short amount of time of the offshore detention centres. So we're trying to raise that question again, that there are so many Labor supporters, Labor voters, Labor members um, who oppose offshore detention. How can we get that reflected in the Labor policy and CNN? to Labor support for it. You know, that's a really, really interesting event and I'm going to see if the show, if we can go down and record that because I think that would, if we can. And before we actually get into the nuts and bolts of the, the situation, um, I just wanted to advertise it and to say that it's going to be, as Lucy said, on Monday um, the 24th of July at 6.30pm to 8.30pm and it's at Trades Hall. 54 Victoria Street, Melbourne, Victoria, 3053. So tell us about the Labor Party then, Lucy. Like, it's so confusing. Like, like <laughs> because, you know, on the one hand, you know, the, the Labor Party was quite strong at one stage and, and still is, there's still a little bit of breath left in it, I think. You know, at least they're, they're supporting the unions in some ways. I mean, the Liberal Party feels very threatened by Labor and keeps saying that they're union, um, uh. that you know, that they love the unions. And But let's talk about it a bit more. What, what are your thoughts on the whole uh. thing and, and why was the event born? Well, it's a key strategic question for um, the Refugee Action Collective and the refugee movement in general. The Labor Party, yeah, it is a conundrum because um, on the one hand, it's the inventor of mandatory detention. It's the resurrector of offshore detention and mandatory um, detention, uh, even after it kills it off itself. Um, you know, it was Kevin Rudd who reopened Manus Island. Um, it was Julia Gillard who started the visa freezes, um, you know, and and re-amplified the, um, the whole refugee deterrence program and the race to the bottom um, that we're seeing now. Um, so the Labor Party is not only complicit, it is really, it has participated in such a um, proactive way in the viciousness of um, offshore detention. The flip side of that is, though, that unlike the Liberal Party, they can be shifted. Um, and there is a difference between what the leadership of the party is doing and has done and what the base of the Labor Party expects um, and, you know, in some instances, demands of its own leadership. So, for example, 68% of Labor voters now support bringing the refugees on Manus and Nauru to Australia, which is it's huge. You know, 68% of its own membership, this policy is rotten to them. Um, if we can, and if the refugee movement makes it um, makes a decisive kind of orientation to that group of people and, and encourages that group of people to push and demand of the um, of the Labor Party leadership a change in policy, then I think that's our you know um, our a likely um, what's it called like a lever yeah. um, to push in this situation, and we've got the reason that we've got. Um, you know, we've got somebody from Labor for Refugees. So that's a, a rank-and-file group of people within the Labor Party who are already taking action around oh, this good. issue. So there will um, be some Labor representatives yeah, speaking at the right. event? Michelle O'Neill's in the Labor Party. Um, Jed Carney um, and Aaron are not, you know, speaking on behalf of the Labor Party, but the um, links between the union movement and the Labor Party, as you referred to before, they, they're obvious links that's 
um, you know, whether or not unions are affiliated to the Labor Party. The Labor Party recognises that its roots are in the union movement in some way, shape or form. Um, so if we can get union members active about this issue as well, um, not only can it put pressure on the Labor Party, it can also just through um, union members' actions themselves, like we saw at the Lady Salento um, Hospital, like the Teachers for Refugees actions, they can put more direct pressure on the politicians, whether they're Labor or Liberal. So that's, I guess it's a really, it's a question of strategy. It's a question of, um, you know, how can how can we use that base of people, progressive people, and bring them into the campaign um, and, and get them active around this question of, of closing the camps. Absolutely. And in fact, you know, one of, one of the things that's, that's um, quite controversial, actually, back at that time when the Gillard government was in what I think what a lot of people don't know because I don't know if a lot of people actually listen to par- watch Parliament during the day it's quite entertaining mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and it's very informative and one of the things that um, I experienced because as a radio broadcaster I like to um, in particular keep abreast with what the mainstream media is saying about refugees and asylum seekers and mm. one of the things that came out for me is that back at that time the Greens and the Gillard government were trying to to work on having onshore processing and then because um, Labor didn't have enough seats, um, like there there was like a hung parliament Mm. and so in the end, you know, the Gillard government, it was kind of trapped into into actually having the Malaysia deal and having all of those other things, you know, the offshore processing. So, yeah, study it, Lucy, study it. (laughs) I don't, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think the Malaysia solution is an example of the Labor Party at that time. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm not suggesting that it didn't happen, but I'm just saying it was a hung parliament. You know? Yeah, no, that's right, and I think, and I think it hung in lots of different senses. I mean, I think it it was hung, you know, like literally the, the um, you know, the numbers. But I think the Labor Party is generally hung on the question of on this question. Absolutely. Yeah. Interminably, because it's um, you know it it it's um, incapability of putting forward an alternative to refugee deterrence and to refugee brutality means that every time the Liberal Party or the Murdoch media or anybody like that kind of says, "Oh no, the boats are coming, the boats are coming." Unless the Labor Party can keep its head, yes. show some leadership mm-hmm. and say, you know what, the boats are coming, but that's not a problem. We're going to welcome the boats. We can do this. It's in, As long as it's incapable of doing that, then it will start reaching for, you know, okay, you know, it didn't start off with offshore processing. It started off with, um, you know, the Indonesia solution or going going over to Indonesia and trying to persuade the boats not to come there. And then it started with the, um, you know, extending mandatory detention and then on and on. And it was pushed and pushed and pushed into back into the race to the bottom um, and the horrible situation on Manus and Nauru at the moment. So yeah. I think it's that. It, 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 it's hung between its, you know, its roots and its progressive, you know, erstwhile progressive values and um, and this kind of uh, sense that it needs to maintain the system and keep in control and, you know, maintain the borders and nationalism and all of that sort of thing. Um, and while our side and its membership and its roots are quiet on the question, then it just goes hell for leather in the in the other direction. Absolutely. So, so to throw out this question that's that's actually in the communique here, the the release. How can we widen the cracks within the Labor Party over refugees and break the partisan refugee cruelty? How, how can that happen? I think a large part of it is to do with um, the unions and the um, the membership. So, you know, the the Labor leadership. While there's no pressure on them, they're not going to do anything except sing from the same song sheet as the other side. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the rank and file is where we can see some movement. And um, you know, like I was mentioning before, the um, the Lady Salento um, teachers for refugees um, workplace actions of people who you know they look to the Labor Party or they have some 
you know, relationship to unions, which have relationships to labour, that sort of action um, can can put some pressure. I think the other thing is just generally, like, it would be good to see some more of the parliamentarians um, and Labor Party spokespeople speak out on this issue. And when they do speak out, the refugee movement needs to make a big deal about it, you know, and point to the fact, you know, when, for example, there was Anna Burke, who was still... Um, still um, uh, an MP at the time, you know, the fact that she was willing to stay within the party and criticise it was very powerful. It showed that, you know, there wasn't this seamless um, agreement about the whole issue. And I think we need to start seeing a few more MPs, Labor MPs, voice what we know is personal and behind closed doors concern about the issue. They need to come out. They need to be encouraged to come out. They need to be welcomed in coming out and criticising it. Um, and the refugee movement, um, I think, can do a lot to lot to bring that about. Um, you know, whether it's one-on-one conversations or, or uh, as I was saying before, just making it a an expectation that we have on those MPs. You know, it's true, Lucy. I mean, while, um, you know, as Joe Toscano always says on his show, Anarchist World, this week, you know, he says mm. that a lot of politics is embedded in the in the boardrooms of the multinationals and, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it is true. But at the same time, we also have to try and live in the system and, and sometimes, you know, votes count, don't they? Votes count, but also people power counts. And Absolutely. I think the, the, the other side to having the break in the bipartisan support while you know it's well it would be great to see some political shift on the um on the parliamentary level every time there is a labor politician that speaks out that gives confidence to you know it kind of has the reverberating impact it has it gives rank and file people ordinary working class people the confidence to say you know what i feel disgusting about what's going on and i'm going to do something about it you know if they're speaking out about it i can speak out about it too so I, I think there is a, um, you know, in the refugee movement, there's a very deep bitterness about the Labor Party's complicit mm. role, and that's absolutely justified because they have been reprehensible. But at the same time, we need to work really hard to make sure that Labor Party people are welcome when they do speak out and that's they right. are encouraged mm. to do it. Yeah, that's exactly right. Claire, do you have mm. any? What, what do you think? Oh, I just think it's brilliant. I just think it's brilliant, and it sounds very exciting. With if you've got yeah, Jed Carney speaking, I think, yeah, I, I, yeah, I just have a sense that yeah, you're really going to be building, building a movement. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, we have about a minute left. Um, can you just uh, um, t- uh, t- give us the details again, Lucy? Yeah, it's six thirty next Monday at the Trade Hall. Um, and speakers will include Jed Carney, Michelle O'Neill, myself and Aaron Mulvoganum. Lucy, thank you so much for, for coming onto, onto the program. I mean, you and I have spoken quite a lot about the, the Labor Party, haven't we? I mean, <laughs> yeah. and, and you, you know, I think it can be shifted. And, and the reason why I think so it, very quickly is because I visit um, asylum seekers at Meta, at the Broadmeadows mm-hmm. Centre, and a lot of the guys that and men and women often say to me that since the Liberal government has come through that they haven't had access to lawyers anymore. And they used to say that when Labor was in, because a lot of them have been there for years, mm. um, you know, that they had more lawyers, that they were allowed to have more lawyers in there. And I find that interesting. Mm. Yeah, there are. I mean, there are actually a few differences. Temporary protection visas is still one of them yeah. as well. You know, Labor, Labor is committed to repealing that, which is good, and they didn't vote for the... Um, permanent lifetime ban on refugees. That, which um, is which good. Yeah. An important crack. So it does show that they can be shifted. Yeah, well, we'll talk about Pauline Hanson another time, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Not her. All right, Lucy, well, take care of yourself and we'll probably see you next Monday. Great, see you then. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Bye. And that was Lucy Honan from the Refugee Action Collective. Um, thank you to all our guests for, for coming in. Um and yeah thanks Claire for for coming in as well and we better get organised now and and finish off Um, Black Fella White Fella is coming on our theme song um, Rumpy Band and Beyond Zero is up next so it's goodbye from Marissa and Claire and um, a cheerio to Peter and thanks for Rob for producing bye see you every Monday from 4 to 5 for the Doing Time